0: Like Pastor was saying, we had a wonderful week. At because of the times this past week, um, and I, I got the wonderful privilege now to, to kind of follow up these great two weeks, these amazing moves of God that we've been having. And I just believe God gave me a word for our church. I'm excited about it. Uh, it happened what two two Wednesdays ago, where we had that ice, icy roads. I had my sermon all prepared. I was all excited. And uh, pastor was away so I could say whatever I wanted. Right. And uh, (laughs) and and then we had to cancel church. And so, um, you know, put it off. I knew I was going to be speaking this upcoming Sunday. And uh, and I've just kind of been marinating it and just kind of working on it. And so I sat down with Caleb Hill on uh, Friday morning and he was like, what are you preaching about? So I told him and he goes, man, I know unsolicited advice is like the worst advice. But I, like, just preached a message on those exact same lines uh, a couple of months ago. So he sent me his sermon. And so, man, I, was, I texted him. I was like, man, you've got my notes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank, no. But, but it was wonderful. I, it just was confirmation. Thankful that God, uh, I believe, has a word for this church this morning. I'm excited. You know what? God can do more in a moment, y'all. He can do more in a moment in the moments we just had here. He can do more in that moment than we can do in all of our trying and all of our agonizing and all of our pain. God can do more in a moment. He can heal. He can deliver. He can set free in but a moment. So it was September 2013. I jumped in my Toyota Corolla 2013. Toyota Corolla. And made my way all the way from Toronto, Ontario, down to Alexandria, Louisiana. Leaving a town of almost 6 million people, I decided, you know what? Give me the 20,000, okay? No, no, I miss Toronto every day. But I moved down to Alexandria and got involved in a church in Alexandria. I, I happened to get involved in the junior high ministry, and I loved every moment of it. I was loving it. And then finally, on a march... March, uh, it was a Saturday. There I was sitting at home on a Saturday. I was probably playing video games or something. My pastor called me and said, Brendan, what are you doing this evening? I said, well, actually, uh, you know, not a whole lot. He said, okay, well, I've got a speaking engagement tonight. Would you mind driving me? I said, man, I would love to. So I went all the way from the big town of Alexandria into the even bigger town of Dry Creek, Louisiana, And uh, if you know where that is, you get extra points this morning, okay? Like, this is, like, the middle of nowhere, Louisiana, right? And uh, so we drive out in the sticks, and uh, I I get out of the car, and my my pastor gets out of the car, and we go in, and we eat in this little dining hall. There's, like, a little retreat center in the middle of Dry Creek, Louisiana, and uh, I I ate some macaroni and cheese and a little bit of, um, I believe it was salad and some lasagna, so a lot of pasta that day, okay? And so... I get out, we, we walk with the, with the guy who's running this retreat and we're walking across the road. And my pastor is kind of leading the charge and all of a sudden this young lady who I had never seen before in my life to my recollection walked into this moment in my life and the heavens opened. And there was Elizabeth Hill and she walked up to my pastor and said, Hello Pastor Terry, how are you doing? And I stood there. She turned and looked at me and said, hi, I'm Elizabeth Hill. And I said, uh, uh." uh." and and she understood that that meant I'm Brendan Hannington. She got that. And I was speechless. I was awestruck. In that moment, I was like, what? Who? Where were you my whole life? And uh, I was I was like this. Wow. Wow let's march okay so jump ahead literally not even a month and i i got a hold of a guy at that church who used to be an intern at this church and i said jonathan i want you to tell me about this elizabeth hill girl we're at buffalo wild wings and i said man so we're having a moment okay we're like i'm like jonathan this moment i need to know about this girl who is she where's she from what's she doing and so he tells me man their family's great they're salt of the earth people sweet she's a sweet girl and i was like okay this saturday this saturday you and I are jumping in a car, and we're going to drive to Baton Rouge. He said, okay, do you want me to text her and give her a heads up? No, man, do not text her. Don't text her. No heads up. She can't be forewarned. She's got, you know. And he said, well, what if she's busy? I said, well, then we'll just go to Lafayette for the day. Like, who cares? Let's get out of Alexandria. And so we make our way, and, um, and, and he texts her and, and says, hey, me and my friend are coming coming down to Baton Rouge. want to grab some lunch. And she goes, oh, really? I, yeah, I'd love to. And she turns to her mom and says, that Canadian guy I met in Dry Creek, yeah, he's coming to see me. And uh, so he didn't even tell. He didn't say that Canadian guy, that white north guy, nothing. She just, she knew. She, she called it. And so on April 26, 2014, I made my way down to Life Point. I got to see this building before we had even moved into it. Pastor was showing J-Mill, and it was just, there I was running through the gauntlet. Yeah, right, if only he, look, look, he says he didn't know, but he was playing games, y'all, he, he, we drove, okay, five of us, Alexander, Lizzie, Jonathan, myself, and Pastor drove from their house over to here, okay, and you know what he does, instead of jumping in the front seat, he jumps in the back seat to see what I do, and do you know what I did, I jumped into the seat next to him, I was like, no way, I'm not getting in that front seat, And so there's Jonathan looking at him and looking at me, and he jumped in the front seat. So, But there it was. April 26th, we had a moment. I got her number. It was the geekiest way I've ever gotten a girl's number. It was the only girl's number I've ever got, okay? Let's leave it at that. And so, so April 26th, we had a moment. We had a moment that forever changed our lives. You fast forward to November 2014, the Monday after Thanksgiving. And I asked Donovan, can we go out for some breakfast? And and we sit down at Cracker Barrel right over there by Tanger Outlet Malls. And I say, hey, man, what's up? Uh, I really like your daughter. <laughs> so uh, can I marry her? You know. And we just have this. We had a moment. We had a moment. And then on December 26th, I was away from everyone, okay? I'm, uh, it was probably December 23rd. I fly home to see my family. This is like I've asked for her hand in marriage. I was planning on getting, uh, proposing as soon as I got back in January. And so my mom, I fly home. She says, Hey, let's go look at some rings. I said, yeah, that'd be great. She's like, no, now let's go now. I was like, Oh, okay, let's go. You know? And so we go and I find the perfect ring for her. And I, and my mom's like, Hey, do you have the money? Let's go buy it now. I was like, what's a rush? Like I've got like another two weeks at home. Chill out mom. And so I, I, uh, she, she's like, no, put the down payment now. And so sure enough, I put the money down and they said it'll be ready in 3 days. And so on December 26th, my dad takes me out. And he takes me out. We we go out for the afternoon and I have plans to come home, have have lunch with my grandmother, okay? So here I am. And all of a sudden, I come home from my moment with my dad and I walk into the house. We have we need audio. There's no audio. And there we are. I had no clue that she was going to be sitting in that living room on December twenty sixth, two thousand and fourteen. And so, within the next twenty four to forty eight hours, I called Donovan and said, "I know that I told you I was going to propose in January, but your your daughter has just shocked me." And uh, you're good, bro. You can pause it. You can move on. But um. But your, your daughter's here, and, uh, and I need to propose now, okay? Like, this needs to happen. We're going to Niagara Falls. Can I? So we had a moment. She shocked me. And in that moment, I was like, game changer. It's over. Game changer. And so then we moved on, and, you know, we've now had a wonderful life together. And we've got one more video. This was another game changer, another moment in my life. I know some of you have been there. But there it is right there. The moment I got to hold my baby girl for the first time. And she cried literally for about three seconds, and then she was in Papa Bear's arms, and she decided no more crying. I know I'm in a good place. And that moment right there, everything, it was a game changer, y'all. I was in love, and I was just, wow, wow. The thing is, these moments are a big deal. As I learned on August 21st, 21st, 2015, another big moment, the day I married my wife. And do you know what? At that moment, that was a big deal. But here's the thing. Moments, as important as they can be, they can almost always be missed. They can almost always be missed as well as you can be there. And in that moment, you can also miss a moment. In fact, hopefully all you men have your wedding, you know, anniversary written down and, like, typed into your phone. But now August 21st for the rest of my life, that's a big deal, y'all. Like, I'm gonna, that's a moment that I, I almost missed my first one. And she made sure I didn't. Thank you, Jesus. But moments can come in the blink of an eye and you don't even realize that you're about to have them like I did in Dry Creek, Louisiana. And in that moment, everything was different. Here's the thing. In Matthew 19, 16 through 22, we get to take a glimpse at a man who had a moment. A man who had a moment. And this is what it says. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. But if thou will enter into life, keep thy commandments. And so here's this young man saying, And, and which one of these commandments do I have to keep? And Jesus said, Thou shalt not mur- do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and mother. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man said unto him, All these things I've kept from my youth uh, uh, from my youth up. What lack I yet? And Jesus said unto him, If thou will be perfect, go sell that, uh, sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, when that young man had that moment, when that young man was standing there saying, "This is this is what it's all about," I'm on the precipice of a moment, a God moment, if you will. Look at his response the young man heard the saying, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Here's a man who had a moment, and yet he turned away and walked away sorrowfully. He missed his moment. So, let's, let's dive into this for a moment. Undoubtedly, right? Like, Jesus had tons of conversations throughout his life. I mean, if you're a teenager, if you're a young person, let's understand, Jesus only made it to 33, right? So, so, Think of all the conversations you've had. Think about all the text messages, all the the interactions you've had with every person in your life, and there you can understand that Jesus had a bunch of interactions. He talked to people constantly. He was with his buds constantly, comforted multitudes. He, He probably counseled tons of men and women alike, and yet here we are looking at a conversation in the Bible because, you know what, only Conversations of Jesus are ever recorded. Only a few moments of Jesus' interactions with people are ever recorded. And we have to understand and believe that these moments were chosen by God for a reason. Not only for the moment that was going on there, but for the moments that you and I would live in our lives in 2017, 2018, and on. So here we are. The lessons taught in these moments must have a reason, must have influence on our lives. Today, so let, let's understand, let's let's talk about this moment. So up until this moment, Jesus has kind of been teaching and preaching all around Galilee, okay? He's been out and about doing his thing, teaching, living life. He's he's just warned his followers about the offenses that were to come. He said, okay, if you're going to follow me, listen up. Here's what you're going to have to endure. He, he tells the parable of the lost sheep, says, man, I'm the great shepherd. I'm going to go after every single one that I can. He revealed in, it, just before this chapter that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word uh, can be established on earth and in heaven. He wrapped up his time in Galilee by telling the parable of the unforgiving servant. And then the Bible tells us in Matthew 19 and 1 that from Galilee, he starts to sail beyond Jordan and into the land of Judea. And so here we are. This is where we meet this young man, this rich young ruler who Probably every single one of us have kind of heard about. And so when this rich young ruler sees Jesus, look at his interaction. Look at what he does. He runs up to him and says, good master, good master. Right? And in fact, if you go into the book of Mark, it says that he knelt before him. So he has a moment with Jesus, and he doesn't like walk up all like pious and he's like, what's up, Jesus? You know, like he's not he's not that guy. I mean, he's coming. He's hum he's he's humbling himself. He's got faith. He understands that this guy. I mean, he asks a big question, right? He says, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And so he's coming there with faith, believing this guy knows the answer. This guy's got what I need. And he comes with sincerity. He comes. I mean, he's not like I said, he's not joking in this moment. And then in verse 16, he asks the question, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Now, I've thought, you know, multiple times, if I was in the room with Jesus, what would I ask him? Like, I, and I have some silly, you know, silly questions that I would love to get off my mind. Like, what did you write in the sand with, you know, the woman that's being stoned? Like, what, what's going on? And, 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 but this man, he has that opportunity, and he asks the questions above all questions. He asks the right question. And he says, what do I have to do to, inter- to inherit eternal life? What is it that I have to do? And Jesus, without missing a beat, responds, keep the commandments. Keep the commandments. Don't murder. Don't, don't commit adultery. Don't, you know, honor your mother and father. Make sure you're keeping the commandments. And suddenly we are able to see all the possibilities that lie within this one moment. A more promising moment had never been seen. He met the master face-to-face, came humbly, with sincerity, asking the right questions, and now we know he was doing the right things. He said, I've kept all the commandments. So he's done it all. He's doing it right. A defining moment is standing before him, a moment of destiny with eternity in the balance, and anything was possible. It was then that Christ Jesus uttered those incredible words, Words that, in fact, that the Lord has reserved only for a select few. Jesus looks at him and says, follow me. Jesus looks at that man and he says, follow me. Simon, Peter, and Andrew, they'd heard those words. James and John, they'd heard those words. Matthew, Philip, all those other disciples, they're like, oh my goodness, this is happening. This is that same moment. He's... This guy's about to have that same moment that we had. Man, I remember Peter standing there going, man, I remember running away from all my my fishing industry. I remember turning my back on all those things and and following Jesus. I remember that moment. That was a big deal. Their minds are kind of wistfully going away, and they're they're daydreaming. They're like, wow, this is that. This is that exact same moment. And, And so here they are standing there watching this rich young ruler, hearing Jesus saying, follow me. And here he is in that exact same moment that they once found themselves in, having a Jesus encounter, having their, his very first God moment. What an opportunity. What a privilege. What a defining moment. However, that day, that young man went away sorrowful because he was unwilling to sacrifice what he owned in the flesh for what God had promised him in the spirit. So tonight, this morning, I'd like to talk to you for a few moments with this title in mind in just a moment. Emily Dickinson, she penned the words, forever is composed of, mo- of nows. Forever is composed of nows. What she was trying to say, I believe very poetically, is that life is really lived in a series of moments. Tomorrow never really shows up, right? Tomorrow's always going to be tomorrow. All we've got is right now. I mean, we've got this moment, and we don't get anything else, right? We're not promised tomorrow. Tomorrow and, and yesterday, that's, well, that's already gone, right? We get this moment. We live and we experience life moments by moments by moments. If you've lived long enough, you've probably realized a few things. All moments are not created equal. And everything can change in a moment. So, I mean, I, I've already talked to you about the wonderful moments that I've got to experience in my life, but you've probably got to experience a few moments in your life as well, whether it's a child being born, whether it's a birthday, whether it's a first birthday, a 16th birthday, an 18th birthday, the importance of every single one of those moments. There's weddings. There's those moments. There's anniversaries. There's anniversaries. Very important moments. There's the first child being born. There's first words. There's first steps. There's first dates. There's first time getting someone's phone number. These are all big moments. These are all moments in life, and that's, that's the truth about life. Not every moment is created equal. A Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock when you've got nothing going on and you're at home, I mean, it doesn't matter if your feet are kicked up or if you're cleaning up your kitchen or if you're outside just hanging out. That moment right there is just kind of like whatever. But if you're trying to do that exact same thing on the day of your wedding, you might be in trouble, right? That moment on that other Saturday when you're supposed to be getting ready for your wedding and you're supposed to be at an altar in just an hour and a half, you better not be home cleaning up the kitchen. It's every moment is not created equal. These are all moments, like I just said, they're all moments that matter, moments of significance Moments that no person desires to be absent from. I remember when Lyra was born, it was literally like two days before we were all going to Youth Congress, and I had to make a decision. I was like, well, there's a bunch of young people that are excited to get on a bus and drive for 1,800 hours down to Indian, up to Indianapolis, or I can hang out with my baby that was born two days ago, right? And I had a moment. Am I, Am I going to give up these first few days of my daughter's life and jump on a bus? And and I didn't. I, I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> I know. I'd be a better youth pastor, Brendan. But there, <laughs> thank God for Wendy, and she's not even here for me to sing her praises. But I remember in those moments, I was like, you know what? I don't want to miss. I don't want to be absent from this moment. This is a big deal. All moments are not created equal. And just as we acknowledge that not all moments are created equal, we can also all say that everything can change in a moment, right? I mean, let's talk about history. Pastor already jumped on June 12th, 1987. He said, you know, President Ronald Reagan boldly saying, tear this wall down. And the world is changed in a moment. July 4th, 1776, me, Mr. Canadian, I promise I have become an avid, avid American history buff. And this date right here is huge, right? July 4th, 1776, the second Continental Congress accepts the Declaration of Independence. And history is made in a moment. June 6, 1944, on the beaches of Normandy, D-Day commences, and history, all of a sudden, the tides are turning, all of a sudden, that Nazi regime is falling, because a moment, D-Day is now commencing, September 11, 2001, New York, New York, the Twin Towers collapsing, and there, once again, everything is changed in a moment, you, every time you try and get on a plane now, guess what, there's one moment has changed that whole process. Every time you try and go traveling anywhere in the world, that process has changed. Why? One moment. One instance. And this is the truth, that everything can change in a moment. is not only observed in our lives and modern history, but it's also seen in the Word of God. Genesis 1, everything changed when God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 3, everything changed when Adam and Eve committed the original sin. Genesis 11, when God confused the languages at the Tower of Babel. Genesis 12, the covenant made with Abraham. All of a sudden, there was hope for humanity. All of a sudden, there was a people person that was set apart by God to do the work that he had called them to do. Exodus 20, the law was given to Moses. And here we can see moments that's changing everything. God's touching down on earth saying, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not going to leave humanity the way uh, they're going. I want to step in and start to move them the way that they need to be moved. And moment by moment, I'm going to show them how much I care. Matthew 1, Jesus is born. Matthew 27, the king hung on a cross. Matthew 28, the king rises up from the grave. Acts 2, we see the Holy Ghost for the very first time move, and people are touched by the Spirit of God speaking with other tongues. These moments changed everything. It wasn't a week. It wasn't a day. It was a moment. God said things are changing now. If they had showed up the day after, right, what, what would have happened? That moment had been missed. The moment was gone. It's but a moment. Lest we forget one more, 1 Corinthians 15, 22. What does it say? In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed in what? A moment. Everything, everything, everything can change In a moment. And this morning, I want to talk about two types of moment a moment of the greatest significance and consequence, and a moment that has the power to change, not just something, but to change anything. I'm talking about a God moment. A God moment. I don't know where you've been for the past two weeks. But I'm telling you right now that these past two weeks at Life Point, God has been doing some incredible, incredible, incredible things. Every time that the water starts to stir, I know that's a weird saying, but every time that the water starts to stir at this altar, I'm telling you, if you have a need, God is meeting needs at these altars. God is doing a work at Life Point like we may have never seen God do a work before. And God is moving in moments every single Sunday. There are God moments taking place on daily and weekly basis around here right now. And in these moments, you know what? It's heaven touching earth. Creature meaning creator. And it is a moment that is taking place. As Mark 9 tells us, it is in these moments that anything is possible. What years of therapy cannot do? God can do in a moment. What a multitude of medicines cannot do, God can do in a moment. What no amount of self-health books and no amount of personal discipline can do for you, God can accomplish in a moment. What the doctors cannot do, God can do. He can mend broken hearts, he can heal broken bodies, he can fix broken families. He can touch finances, emotions, desires, addictions. Your name, you name it, God can do it. And guess what? God's not up there like stressing like, "Oh my goodness, that's a this is a big need today." No, he's going, "Come on. Try me. Try me. Bring your need. I can't wait to do it. Let's go. This moment is yours." He's excited. He's standing there on the edge of heaven saying, come on, let's move, let's move, let's go. Uh, in 1 Chronicles, what does it say? His eyes are going to and fro over the earth looking for somebody, looking for faith in the land that he can move on someone's behalf. So right now, think about it. Heaven, God's up there with binoculars. He's watching. He's like, wait, 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 wait. There's, there's Prairieville. Oh, my goodness. There's faith building. There's faith building. I'm ready to move. Someone try me. God's ready to move on your behalf. Every major biblical character had a God moment. Here we we go. We see Moses. Guess what? He walks up to a burning bush, and that bush speaks out to him and says, Hey, 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 take off your sandals. You're standing on holy ground. And there's Moses taking off his sandals, understanding I'm on holy ground. Now, I don't know if Moses ever came back to that, to that bush. I mean, it, it, human nature tells me he probably did. Come check it out at least one more time. But I, I, I can tell you, guess what? That bush the next day didn't say, hey, hey, you're on, you're on holy ground. No, no, no. That was a moment. And, and Moses, he, he saw, he knew, okay, I just had an encounter with God. I just had a moment with God. He gave me direction. He gave me understanding. He spoke into my life. He gave me confidence to go to a Pharaoh and tell those people that they need to be freed. He had a moment. Jacob, he wrestled with the angel and forever was changed. His name changed to Israel, changed in a moment. Saul was knocked from his horse and blinded in Acts chapter 9. And there he was looking up can't see anything and he's and and there's the voice of God saying Saul it's I why are you persecuting me who are you Lord it's Jesus and you're persecuting me and there's Saul saying I'm forever changed by this moment not only did they have their God moment but guess what every single one of them recognized it like I said Moses removed his sandals Jacob wouldn't relent until he was blessed. the, the angel said, "Let me go, man and the, the morning's coming he said, no, no no no, 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 I'm not missing my moment. I'm not missing my moment. It's here, it's now and I'm not missing it. I'm here for this moment. I won't let go until you bless me. What if some of us got a hold of God and said, man, I'm not missing it. I'm not letting go. I don't I, you've got something for me God, and I'm not missing this moment. And there was Saul saying, who are you, Lord? And, and there's Jesus Christ responding, it's Jesus whom thou persecutest. However, there's, there were those in Scripture who had and recognized their God moments. There were still others then that when their moment came, they completely missed it. We, we, we read in Numbers 13, the account of the children of Israel, having come to the border of the promised land that God had said, this is yours. I've given it to you to subdue it and conquer it. This is all yours. It's it's yours. I've brought you out of Egypt. You've crossed the Red Sea. You've done all this. You've had moment after moment. You've seen me move in your midst. And here they are standing on the precipice of the biggest moment of their nation's history. And they miss it. And consequently, because they refuse to believe the word of God, because they refused to move in that moment, because they refuse to believe God in that moment, an entire generation dies in the wilderness having never experienced what it was God had for them. Parents, how many of you, God's calling you to have some moments with him? How many of you, God's saying, man, get away, get into a prayer closet. Your kids need you to have a prayer life. Your kids need you to have a personal relationship with me. How many, how many of you are missing a moment? God's calling you. I need a moment with you. Don't be like the children of Israel. Don't, don't miss that promised land that God has for your family. Don't miss that, those things, those blessings that God has for your family. Matthew 23, Jesus speaking. We realize that Jerusalem missed their moment, and they refused to recognize Christ. Mark chapter 6, the people in Jesus' hometown, what? Missed their moment due to their unbelief. That's just Jesus of Nazareth. That's just Joseph's boy. He's a carpenter. Missed their moment. Matthew 19, like we read at the beginning, the rich young ruler missed his moment when he refused to sacrifice. And this morning I would venture to say there are few things in life more tragic than missing a God moment. And I got to be honest, I do not believe that any person in this room in their right mind would intentionally skip out on a God moment. I don't believe that. Not 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 for a split second. Could you even try to convince me that you you would intentionally miss a God moment? If I sat with you and said if God came into this room and sat down and said, "Hey, I want to have a moment with you." Not one of us would say, "Well, no God, sorry. I've got I've got a roast beef in the, you know, in the oven. I got to go." No. Not intentionally would any of us skip out on a God moment. It is my sincere belief that on occasion we miss life-changing, God-ordained, significant moments, not on purpose and not because we want to, but because life can be busy and, and things can be hard to lay down. As I said, I don't, don't believe we miss them because we desire to. Rather, we miss them because we cannot recognize them. Like Israel didn't recognize their enemies had been handed over to them. They are standing on the edge of the promised land. Like Jerusalem didn't recognize their Christ. Like Nazareth didn't recognize their Savior. Like the rich young ruler didn't recognize his moment. We don't recognize the God moments that are available to us week in and week out in this place. We don't recognize it. Or we just take it for granted and think, man, next week we'll have another move of God. If Brendan doesn't do good this week, man, pastor will bring a good message next week. If he misses it, man, well, maybe he'll bring someone in and he'll get a good one, right? We always think, well, God, we'll have a God moment next week. This week, there's a lot on my plate. Well, God moments are not limited to any specific time or place. We acknowledge, we understand, and we are regularly in his presence every time we walk through these doors. We have a worship band that stays prayed up, that stays fired up and leads us into the presence of God. Uh, Brother Kleinden said it's so awesome last week. He said, These guys aren't up here for our entertainment, right? They're up here leading us. They're, up, they're, they're going there. And they're not they they don't care if we go there. You know, they're they're going there whether we go there or not. And we're not supposed to stand here and go, wow, they're they're really getting it. This is good stuff. Man, I'm glad each one of them is having a moment up there. Man, Man, did you see Lizzie today? She was getting it real good, you know? No, it's up to you to say, you know what, this is my moment. I'm getting it this morning. I'm so happy Lizzie's getting it. I'm so happy Wesley's getting it, but I'm getting it too. God moments are not limited to specific places. In fact, don't limit God moments. Please don't limit them to life point. Take it home. Take it to your workplace. Have God moments wherever you're at. But, but what I can promise you is that because of this leadership team, because of this music team, there will be God moments in this place. Because there is prayer, there is sacrifice, there is fasting going on on a weekly basis to make sure that the presence of God will be pleased with what sacrifice is going on here so that when you walk through these doors, when you bring friends through these doors, just like you sacrifice, when you bring people into this place, they can have a God moment as well. We become so accustomed accustomed to the way that we do church, so used to being in His presence, that the supernatural supernatural can almost become just normal. We begin taking God, God moments for granted. We forget that in His presence there's rest. We forget that in his presence there's fullness of joy. We forget that in his presence there's pleasures forevermore. That in his presence we can receive hope. In his presence we can receive healing. We can receive restoration. We can receive forgiveness of sins. We can receive salvation all in a moment in his presence. And here's the good news. Matthew 18 and 20, one chapter before the rich young ruler, Jesus tells us, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And you know what, today, this morning, I see a few more than just two or three people here. There's more than just two or three people in these seats. And you know what, we've been coming together, we've been lifting up the name of Jesus, so I can promise you that He is in the midst of us right now. God is here. I'm here to tell you God is in this place. God has met with us this morning. And it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what's going on at your home. It doesn't matter what's going on at your workplace. It doesn't matter what's going on in your mind. It doesn't matter what anxious thoughts are trying to attack you. It doesn't matter what depressive thoughts are trying to get into your heart and tell you that there is no hope. I'm telling you this morning, one moment with our Creator, one moment with our Savior, in this place today, every anxious thought has to flee. Every depressed thought has to go. Because we serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords who brings hope, life, victory, salvation. And he wants to have a moment with you today. Second Peter 3 and 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Romans 8 and 31, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, if God be for us, if God be for us, who can be against us? God is in this place. There is nothing. The gates of hell cannot prevail against you because God is in this place. If we could all stand this morning. Jesus said unto him in Matthew 19, 21, Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell all thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Jesus asked a rich young ruler to sacrifice, not unlike any of us. That's all he was looking for. He was just saying, man, you, you want what I got? You've got to put some skin in the game, bro. You've got to put some skin in the game. This isn't. This isn't just for the weak of heart. You, you, you've got to lay down some things. And so Jesus asked him to sacrifice. This area that we come to on a weekly basis, what do we call it? We call it the altar. This is the altar. This is a place of sacrifice. It's a place where you can come on a weekly basis and lay down your burdens and say, God, I've been carrying this around a little too long. I know you didn't mean for me to do that, but I'm laying it down. This is a place of sacrifice. This is an altar. And often for us to respond to God's presence, it means sacrificing. It means sacrificing our pride. Not really caring who else sees me, who else is looking, who else what they think of me. First of all, it's sacrificing our pride, our fear. Well, will God really do it? Sacrificing our doubt. Can God really do it? Well, the modern church is abandoning the concept of the altar call. I'm thankful. Here we are at Life Point. We attend a church that believes in an altar call. And you can you can have a God moment this morning. Whether it's a moment of repentance where you just say, God, I'm sorry for all I've ever done. Whether it's a moment where you say, I need to be baptized in Jesus' name. And here's the thing, here at Life Point, we don't baptize so that you can become a member of this church. No, no, no. We baptize for one reason. And it's because the Bible says that you want to be saved, guess what? You gotta be born again of the water and of the spirit. And guess what? We've got water. We've got water, and it's not a cold horse trough. No, 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 no. This is warmed up water, y'all. So if you need to be baptized, be baptized this morning. Have your moment. Or maybe you need to be filled with the Spirit of God. Speaking in other tongues, this this, this altar is. This is here, open for you to have your moment with God. This sermon, I've spent time, I, I know I heard from God. I know I've heard from God, and, and, and it, I know God's confirmed it. But there's going to be some moments that take place. And I know there's some hearts that have started to ready themselves and say, Brendan, I, I, I hear what you're saying, and I, I, I might not be lifting my hand right now, but man, you've got me. You're speaking to me. And so right now I want you to move. If I if repentance, baptism, Holy Ghost, if you need healing, hope, salvation, I don't care what it is. I want you to know right now you can have a moment with God in this altar. So just open yourselves up. The Bible, Jesus looked at that young man and said, just sacrifice a little. Follow me. And all I'm saying this morning is come down here, lay it down before God, and let him move in your life this morning. Jesus you change right now, let the presence of God